It is another episode of Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. Jason Bristol, former Major League Scout, Jeremy Booth, who has worked for the Mariners, the Brewers, and the Twins. Do you know why I say that, Jeremy? Do you know why I give you that introduction? I actually don't. Why? So, here's why. The comments from our last podcast, which are appearing on YouTube right now, one of which is this. Jeremy seems to know more than the Astros, yet he sits on a podcast with a thousand views. I've never heard of him. <laughs> I've never heard of Jeremy outside of KHOU and local oh. interviews. Does he have MLB front office experience? I'm just that here. From, so that was from Rob. That was from Rob on, on YouTube. Hey, Rob, I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah. Um, yes, this particular podcast has... I don't know, like 1,200 views or something. But there's also the audio podcast, which has a lot more views. And then we stream all of this on KHOU11+, our OTT, on demand for free on Roku and Fire TV. And that, I think, Jeremy, I told you, was one of the most streamed things on the channel the other day. We are... um... How do I say this? I'm comfortable with the resume. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it's it's not, it, look, hey, Rob, welcome to the show. Okay. And I don't know what else to say to you on that besides buckle up. Um, Might get a little bumpy. Mm-hmm. Certainly going to make you a little uncomfortable because I'm going to drop some truth on you at any given moment. And you probably ain't going to like it. Yeah. But in the day. Welcome to the show. 1,000 views on this, but uh, as Jeremy and I um, have the numbers to prove it, that come postseason, it's 20 times that, 40 times that. It might even be 50 or 60 times that. You know, there's a rumor going around that we had a pregame show. uh, I want to say it was game six in Houston. There was a pregame show in KOTU 11 with us at the front i don't know maybe it was a graphic i saw that we were on there could be maybe my imagination i don't know in, in any event rob no yeah did that happen yeah we appreciate rob for 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 watching and we're certainly not um singling anyone out i just thought I that we should address some of the comments no, no, uh, no, no. don't wait a minute don't we don't we this i am i'm singling the guy out the decide who's gonna single me out you're absolutely being singled out you're being acknowledged as somebody who, you know, before now didn't understand, um, you know, hasn't listened in the last or seen watched television in the last seven years in the Houston area. I, I don't know what to tell you. Reality is we, we, we're rolling. You're here. You're going to get a lot of information. You know, we're thankful that you're around and, you know, you've, you've got your intro. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to keep this on both of us, the, the videos. So, because I like to see your reactions when I read these. Uh, another comment, Jeremy and Jason seem very skeptical about the Astros organization, which won two titles in the last seven years. And Jeremy, salty he didn't get a GM job? All right, that's one. Uh, this one, Dal Cow 1101 I don't get what that booth is saying at all. Uh, here's another one. That phone ring went on for far too long. Annoying. 
I'm sorry. I, I thought it was funny. It was only 90 seconds. I timed it. Uh, Black Rain. Hmm? What was that? Well, I'm sorry. What was the last one? Black Rain is the name of the commenter. Oh. Jeff Bagwell needs to go somewhere. He's not a GM. And someone uh, said, I agree, was an overrated player. Blah, 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 blah. So those are some of the uh, right, so, so the comments, my, Jeremy. Recap here. So one guy hasn't watched TV in the um, last seven years or so when it comes to the postseason, okay? Somebody else doesn't understand what building an organization means besides the big league level and how they got there with Bobby Heck and Ed Wade's players, Luno, then training them to other organizations, being very good acquisitions, and James Click being here only for a very short time. Um having having the the wherewithal to keep them together and steer them through a very tough moment with the science dealing scandal and get keep them in the postseason. But the fact of the matter is the groundwork for this organization was laid in 2008 to 2000, about 15. Okay. And that's accurate. There's a couple of years, the 15 draft was great. You have uh, uh, Tucker and Valdez. So you know, bottom line, before we get down that road, there's more to building an organization than what you see at the big league level. And the lifeblood of the organization, believe it or not, isn't the big league level. It's what's beneath it and how that works. Winning only matters at the big league level. And that's all this home city really sees. Okay. Um, there's somebody else who's like Bagwell, Hall of Famer. Get, so what? Okay. What else we got in there? There was one more. Uh, the phone ringing. The phone ringing was a joke because somehow my house phone, which I got as a package, happened to ring when I was on ESPN radio the other day. And it was try to get right by it seamless and 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 funny funny man over here decided he was going to play a, a gag on me and, you know the first time we were doing it so you know look I'm glad you guys are paying attention I'm thankful yeah. for it but hey, we appreciate you know. the comments yeah. I listen now if like 50 people said that wow the phone was annoying then I might say oh wow one or two in my career I've I've you know one or two is okay that's all right I appreciate the criticism um I think as we're staying on viewer comments, you had an exchange on Twitter and um, it was a good exchange. You know, it, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, this guy's a washed up MLB scout, uh, <laughs> which we've had in the past. Yeah. Um, somebody wanted to know, Pimo is his handle on Twitter. He was wondering how many starting quality hitters should a winning organization be expected to graduate each year? From the 2012 to 15 draft success, obviously not sustainable unless you want to tank forever. But he said, even after picking lower, they're still filling holes with low round picks, Hensley McCormick's who never made prospect lists and win winning the world series while doing so. So that's player development success. And that you said, all I can tell you is pieces are one thing and, and generating impact is another. Um, basically, you said this much of the player development staff of the Astros has had its hands tied by leadership directives. That tying will be gone across the game. This is known as the future approaches. And clearly the club is aware. Finally appreciate the replies. Pimo says the cookie cutter approach thing is really interesting to me. Can you expand on that? And what sort of directives were in place? So after laying that all out there, Jeremy, you now have the floor and I'm wondering if it has to do with the type of coaches that the Astros have brought into the organization. So, you know, I, I, I will, I got to say this, it's okay to say this now because they're at a different they're at a different point in the organization how they're gonna to move move forward. And um, you know, the question that was the comment that was left on the YouTube 
was really having to do with one of them was like, well, you know, if the we know a lot about the Astros. We're salty. Okay. Jim Crane went away from the analytic GMs and people and brought in somebody who's not that. doesn't mean Dana doesn't use them. It just means he's not James Click or Jeff Luno. It's a totally different school of thought. Um, that tells you that they recognize there's issues. So while we're sitting here talking about salty, you know, slap, slap your mama seasoning, barbecue sauce, whatever you guys want to talk about, we, we got to kind of dial back to understand that what we are, we've been identifying and talking about for six or seven years, the Astros just finally figured it out. Now, let's go back into player development cookie cutter approaches. I don't know that there's an answer to the question of how many starting hitters, uh, starting lineup hitters should an organization produce. I, I don't think that's that's not the answer. There is no answer to that. That's why I say that. It's not, maybe not the right question. I get the question, though. What I will tell you is that eight players in eight years is not good. And that's what you that's about what you have is one player a year starting in 2015 to now. Um, you got lucky with Jeremy Pena. And this organization, and I say that because he's a third rounder, this organization has been brutal. And I mean brutal with a capital brutal in the in the first round for the last decade. It has been awful, with the exception of uh, 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 2015, where you got Bregman as a makeup for Aiken, which, by the way, is complete luck. No matter what that book tries to tell you, that is complete, and that's it's, it's this type of magic and, and and stuff. Luck. I mean, it's not it's not like they drew that up. And then you have Tucker, who they took five. Okay, um, great job. Tucker has turned himself into a player. There's some skepticism out there that people don't believe that he can repeat it. I'm not necessarily in that camp. I think it's all mental, and I've seen the evolution mentally from when he got here to now. What I'm saying by cookie-cutter approaches is the Astros have some good coaches in their organization. You haven't heard me say that very often because it's really been about leadership. Let me say this again. The Astros have some good coaches in their organization. Their hands are tied entirely on what they can teach, at least they were, by the previous regime. Because we're talking about launch angle and numbers and, and extra bat speed instead of what actually is going to play. And if you're trying to make every single player like the next guy next to him, you're going to end up with something like iRobot in the movie with Will Smith. That's not what you're looking for. Every player is different. Jordan Alvarez is different than Martin Maldonado, than uh, Jose Abreu, than Alex Bregman, than Jose Pena, than Chaz McCormick. They're all different people, and you can't make them the same thing. Your job in player development is to take the players that are there and make them as good as they can be with their own ability. And you're looking at a situation with an organization that hasn't done that. Dana Brown will come in and whatever him and Jeff Bagwell identify, because it sounds like Bagwell is just going to be all over player development. And I mean, like he's going to be, you know, in, in, in player development's guts trying to figure it out. Like if you, if you're going to put that together, you're going to figure out that each player has a chance to be their own. They're going to get rid of that. Coaches might be allowed to coach. Cause I don't think you can really, and I even say this as bad as the leadership spin, Jason, I don't know that you can even evaluate the coaches until, um, I don't know if you can evaluate the coaches until you see what they can really do, right? I mean, when, when when Luno got here, development was working. Scouting was working. And all he did was dismantle, dismantle, dismantle in the name of efficiency and tie hands on all these um tie hands on all these on all these coaches and tell them they couldn't do anything unless he told them to. Keep in mind, same guy didn't know anything about the science stealing, but I digress. Let's go back to this. Okay. You've got that much control over people. I it's you can't develop that way. And what you end up with is one player that happens to sneak through. I will argue that Alex Bregman was not going to be messed up by anybody. One guy happened. Okay. I've seen the kids since he was, you know, 14 or 15 years old. He was not, no one's going to mess Alex Bregman up, but Alex Bregman, doesn't matter what you did to him. I would argue that 
Carlos Correa, same boat. We're going to mess him up, okay? Springer, still the old regime, 11 and 12 as far as the development guys when they got here, so there was a little bit of tightening up to do. He's a little bit further away, but George is George, okay? And he, and he owned his own development. Now, um, from a pitching side, these guys were ahead of everybody data-wise. That I'll just tell you flat out. They're not anymore, and they haven't been for quite some time. And what you've got is you've got to, them to a point where now they're reliant on Hunter Brown – who hasn't thrown more than Jason Hunter 120 innings a year? 130 innings a year? 130 innings a year? You haven't, so you haven't got more than 130 innings a year, and you're now putting him in the five spot in your rotation. It's not – you can't develop that way. So they're going to get back into more creative license with these players, and, and they're going to get better at player acquisition across the board. Um the prospects that they've had. If you look at when they've gone other places, one thing the Astros have done is they've been able to fool people because people had this mystique about their scouting staff. But Seth Beer has not turned out. J.B. Bukowskis is a two-time DFA. Corbin Martin hasn't worked out. Um, you know, Forrest Whitley is still looking to, to spell, you know, Minute Maid Park. I mean, I, you know, you, you, it's not it's not working. You, you know, 20 and 21, they didn't have any picks. That's fine. You know, Corey Lee's got there. I think that's extraordinarily fast, and we'll see. But I will give the organization credit for Jordan Alvarez, which I originally didn't do. The reason why I'm doing that is because they got him an A-ball. So they did something right to get him there. Now, he was a high-dollar guy with the Dodgers, so it wasn't like he was a nobody, right? But they had something to do with developing him to make sure he didn't fail. So the organization's really turned out one player, you know, a year for the last eight, and that's not going to help you win. What that's going to do is that's going to extend um, pieces at the big league level with what you already have so that runs out. It's time to retool and refuel, and that's what they're doing. Sorry, I was on mute then when you were asking me about okay. the uh, – But, you know, I'm looking at the 2018 draft. I mean, obviously Pena is the big guy, drafted third round, 102, but they recently – released their number two pick a high school player whom the Astros did not draft a lot so because the Astros focus so much on college players you have to believe if they were going to select a high school kid they had really they were really bearing down on that kid right like they had to know him inside and out and believe in his talent and Jason Schroeder Schrader from Kirkland Washington did nothing he was would, he was released. I would say that they, you know, because look, if you look at the last three high school arms they drafted, um, of note, Jason Schrader, gone. Forrest Whitley, disaster. Brady Aiken, didn't sign, turned into Bregman, right? Any other high school arms they drafted up top? The previous regime or this one? This one. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go well, back. Well, this and one, you've got the kid. Who was the kid? uh their first pick in the 2020 draft. They didn't have one. Oh, the third rounder, Tyler yeah. Wicker? No, Tyler no, no, no. The pitcher, the high school pitcher, Santos, maybe? Alex Santos? Yeah, okay. But, I mean, that's third round. Okay. You know, they, have, they haven't had success with high school pitching because they turn around. I mean, McCullers was the last one that's really been successful, right? They haven't had success with high school pitching because they're not evaluating arm action deliveries and execution. They're evaluating metrics. You cannot draft that way. I've been saying that forever. That's that's the first thing Dana's going to do. He's not going to allow that to continue. But um, I mean, right, I got you know. I, I will tell you this. I had somebody contact me, Jason, away from this, and I know I share this with you. I'll say it publicly. Kind of upset that I was saying that things were historically bad. Find me a worse run in in ten years of drafting in the first round. Find me one. 
Find me one. Is that my homework? Not, it's, it's rhetorical. You can't find it. Find me one. You got two players in the same year, one of which is by luck, and that's Bregman. Because ordinarily you just get one pick. Okay, the rules helped you there. Fine, it's it's awful. So when you when you tie the 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 chicken um, salad that's coming in, you have to be able to make that chicken salad into a sandwich, which is a much nicer way of saying what I could have said. So what I'm going to tell you is, it's it's not you know they have had a horrible record draft. They haven't done well with high school pitching. Um, you know, McCullers is is the last real high school pitcher they developed. Um, the Latin pitching showed up in 15, 2015. That's been, that was good, but that's a seven, eight year window. And Valdez got here. What? 19. Is that right? 2019 Farmer got here. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, he got up at the right time. He's 27, 28 now. I mean, you got Javier, I think it's 25, 24. So, um, you know, they've done a good job there. Oswald Campos regime really did a good job in, in the Latin in Latin America. So Dana Brown has had about a week now to get to know people, which is not a lot of time. <laughs> Once he does assess the organization, what kinds of things do you believe he would do? What kind of things would a, a general manager in his position coming from another organization do? With this amount of time, it's really going to be about trying to get to know the systems and processes that are in place, really peel things back at a deep, and, a, and do a deep dive on what you got. Amateur draft is first, understanding their player development system is second, looking at who they got as far as prospects is going to be part of that player development process, and then trying to assess the big league club, you know, once you get around people to understand how to move guys in. The Astros have the smallest baseball operations department in the game. It's just the way it works. And, you know, Jeff Bagwell is going to have his take on it. You know, you have Reggie, who's a big voice, and have his take on it. Um, you're going to have Biggio, who apparently is a much bigger voice people give him credit for, right? from the outside looking in. So he's, he's involved. You've got, uh, um, you know, you've got, you've got some stuff that has to continue to move forward here that he's gonna have to peel back. So we'll see what happens. But it, that's how, It's going to be a step-by-step process. It's interesting because he was on sports talk 790 here in Houston. The A team made an appearance and uh, joked that uh, I'm still drinking out of the fire hose right now. So I'm still trying to, uh, gather information about everybody um i'm still trying to gather myself before um basically going on and saying look at looking at all the players to make the club better uh talking about yuli guriel the realistic thing we have a brave at first base right now so at the end of the day we have to look at maybe some other spots to strengthen the club to give dusty more options but we're all about getting stronger and of course we've we've gone in we've gone into those so um, that right now is the most popular article on the Houston Chronicle website is about Yuli Gurriel. I mean, Yuli Gurriel has this place and has this place in he's beloved in 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 Houston. And I I, I just I don't think he's going to come back unless it's a real last minute thing. But um, I, I just I think it'd be hard to find a place for him on this team. These guys need to they need to address their pitching depth. They need to address another something else behind the plate, which is going to be tough to do. And they need to address something in the middle of the diamond. That's what they got to do. That something that super utility guy or somebody that can play the middle infield. Um, they haven't done that. They should have done that. They opted not to do that. I know they got the guy from the Tigers off waivers. I, I get it. I, I'm not. You know, I don't. 
four a guy four a guy they haven't done that and you know there were other options out there that were low cost if you don't want to get vasquez they could have done they chose not to do it i'm more concerned about where they are with 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 this with what's out there today as far as making an impact on their club in areas that they need being this far away from the cbt because they don't have anything to trade they have to trade off the big league roster maybe they can trade one of diaz or lee but you know what they should have done is they should have gone out and they, or I mean, I guess they could trade Drew Gilbert. There'd be some, some room for that, but why would you do that? Right. So, you know, you have to be in a position in my mind in free agency to attack those needs at a low cost. And, you know, you probably could have spent 20 to 25 million to retain uh, Vasquez and Lemus Diaz and bring Wade Miley in here and even gone and got another guy like Tucker Barnhart who could really help you in a, in a pinch give Lee and Diaz some more time to develop in, in the minors and put them on more of a shuttle, give Brown a fail safe or McCullers in case he gets hurt. Cause Lord knows he's got some industry in, injury history at this point, right? That's not exactly unique. If you took those type of approaches, you have a much better ball club with some depth. They're lacking in depth. Dana's correct. But whoever was making that decision, whether it was Dusty that was trying to keep Corey Lee in, in the lineup or whether it was, uh, you know, Jim not wanting to spend the money, it's, it's, it's up to them. That's, but it doesn't, doesn't fit what they were, should have been doing to fortify this club for another run. There's a couple of pieces that are there that are missing. Hey, shout out to Jesse Barfield. Hey, what's up, man? Jesse <laughs> Barfield was elected to the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. He's part of the class Jesse. of 2023. So Jesse, go ahead. No, Jesse's big in Canada. That's good. Toronto, Blue Jays go through all the time. Good for him. So you grew up on Ricky, Dwayne yep. Murphy. Yep. And who was the third guy? Tony Armas? Tony, was Tony Armas. So that was your big outfield three growing up. Mine being in upstate New York. Syracuse, home of the Toronto Blue Jays AAA team. My outfield growing up was George Bell, Lloyd Mosby, and Jesse Barfield. That's not a bad lineup. No. <laughs> That's not a bad outfield. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Although, gosh, I should run the numbers to see which one. I mean, obviously with Ricky, you've got a Hall of Famer with – this amazing, amazing one tool that just is the greatest of all time. But um, the combination of power and speed, I don't know. I, I'd have to look to see which one. He was had 3,000 hits and over 300 home runs and stole 1,400 bags. Yeah, that's a career right That Listen, you could stack all three guys. Yeah, it's a, that was a pretty good, pretty good career by. So by I stumbled into this really bizarre vortex about a week ago. I don't know why. I started looking at Ricky Henderson stuff. Yeah. Do you know that Ricky Henderson in 1977 in Modesto, he was not the leadoff hitter. The greatest leadoff hitter of all time did not bat leadoff. For the Modesto Athletics of the California League. Now, Jeremy will probably say, why would I ever know that? But isn't that amazing? That he was not batting leadoff for that team. I I don't have excuses for why people do the things they do. I know how it turned out. Well, they had another guy on that team. So in 1977, Jeremy... The Modesto Athletics, whose manager later managed in the major leagues, Tom Treblehorn. Mm -hmm. 
the guy who batted in front of Ricky Henderson, Ricky Henderson that year stole 95 bases, but he bat, he batted second. The guy who led off was a guy named Daryl Woodard, who did eventually make the major leagues. He had 90 stolen bases that season. But Ricky Henderson, one of his first stops in professional baseball, did not bat leadoff. That's funny. I didn't know that. He was, Man, uh, Ricky Henderson's plate discipline, even as an 18-year-old, 104 walks, 67 strikeouts. You know, he he saw the ball well from where he was positioned, right? It was that deep crouch, and he got his, his eyes level with, with release point at all times. He saw it real well. It was something uh, growing up my dad used to say when I would get out of my front side, he'd say, Ricky it, which meant get into your back leg and sink and try to hit. Ricky it. Yeah. That team had another guy named Mike Patterson who stole 37 bases. So right there, there's like 210 bases stolen between three guys. So, so I mean, he, back back when they valued that stat, which was disruptive. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, look, it's coming back. It's starting to come back. By the way, I will say this as far as stealing bases. That one knee catching stuff. We just did a drill the other day at, a, at an event. Mm-hmm. Um, kid was, and it's pretty consistent. A tenth to two tenths slower getting to his feet from one knee than he is being on two feet. Ooh. Oh, remind That's- me when we go to spring training. Yeah. Remind me to ask Martin Maldonado. Not necessarily uh, with a microphone in hand, but I'm very curious why he started at the end of the season to do more one knee stuff. I'm pretty sure that it. He started to do it more at the end of the season than he had done earlier in the year. And I'm wondering if it was injury related or it might've been the pitcher, the certain pitchers. I don't know. Well, it's a good question to ask. Yeah, absolutely. Find out. I'm always curious why guys do it. You know, I don't have a problem with less than two, uh, less than two strikes and nobody on. I got a problem with anything else but that. All right, everybody. Well, we're almost out of time here on the extra bases podcast. We want to thank all of you for listening. Listening. I want to thank Rob on YouTube for his comments. <laughs> we appreciate you listening. We appreciate everybody listening. Certainly, let us know what you're thinking. If you have questions for Jeremy, if you don't agree with Jeremy, you agree with Jeremy. If you want to hear more phone ringing noises, you don't want to hear more ringing phone noises. Let me know. Let that's us good. know. Yeah, bring it. Bring it. All right, that's another episode of the Extra Bases Podcast. Bristol and Booth signing off until next time. And until then, have a great week, everybody.